0: Welcome to Whiskodice! I am your host, the one, the only, the Consey with the most, and I am joined by a fabulous crew of wonderful Wisconsinites here for today's episode of Dice. Who else here?
1: Hey, Brian's here. Celebrating Hey, This is Justin,
2: the Meeples champion. This is Matt, the Ghost Walker.
3: And I'm Suzanne
0: and this is episode 88 of the wisco dice tabletop gaming podcast today is january 2nd 2002 and on today's episode we're going to look back at 10 years of wisco dice that's right this show has been around for 10 years now if you can believe it or not we're going to dive into our hobby corner where we catch up on any miniature and painting projects that we've been working on but first let's dive into what games we've been playing
1: The first one I wanted to talk about, we played fairly recently at uh, Game Night at Ben's, and that is New Frontiers, published by Rio Grande Games. Uh, New Frontiers is in the Race for the Galaxy family, but it is essentially the board game version of this series. Playtime is about 60 minutes. It goes for two to five players. Played this, Ben, Suzanne, uh, myself, and Brian all played this the other night. In New Frontiers, just like Race for the Galaxy, you're building galactic empires by settling and conquering other planets, by exploring new worlds, developing new technology, producing goods, and ultimately producing enough victory points to win the game. So on your turn, you're going to select an action that everyone will do. So I might choose to explore and draw new planets that i might have the chance to settle or conquer and then everyone will perform that same action in turn and then it'll move on to the next player and they'll pick something else like maybe they will produce goods on all their planets that can be used to earn credits or be consumed for points as you explore and develop on these new planets uh, many of the worlds and developments that you build have special powers which grant you additional abilities for actions, making them more powerful. Or they might provide you different opportunities for gaining in-game victory points. Play continues until one or more of the four game ending conditions is reached. So one of them is if you've settled a certain number of planets, that's going to trigger the game end. Or if you've developed a large number of the developments on your player board, that's going to trigger game end. After that is triggered. You count up your victory points from all the worlds that you've settled or conquered, the points on developments that you've developed, and any victory point chips that you've earned along the way. Race for the Galaxy, the card game, is one of my favorite games, and I really like this board game implementation of it. It is enough different from both Race for the Galaxy and Roll for the Galaxy that I think it's still worth it to own all those all those all those games on their own. It's a little less random than either one of them, so it progresses in more of a Euro board game fashion where you can control a little bit how you expand your, your empire and gives you more chance to control how you're going to earn points at the end of the game by making the end game scoring developments, which costs a lot of credits available right at the start of the game. So you can look at what's available and plan a strategy right at the start of the game, as compared to, say, Race for the Galaxy, where you kind of just have to wait until you get the opportunity to pull one of those cards in a draw. So I like that strategic aspect. You can plan a little bit more. Planet tiles look really cool on your player board. They make this nice little half arc around your player board. So visually, I think it's it's really nice too. Yeah, what do you get? what do you guys? people about this game have anything to say
0: (laughs) this game was a lot of fun i'm really glad that we own it now and i'm really glad that we got it it's a a fairly expensive msrp board game i think it's something like right around the hundred dollar price point if you got a brand new Mm -hmm. we got it we got real lucky when we snagged it for like just under 55 or 60 dollars or something like that like you, Justin, I like all of the other Race for the Galaxy games, all of those in that family. Uh, so I wanted to give this a try. It, it played really; it was a really fun game and really glad we own it. Now, the real question is, out of the Race for the Galaxy family, is Race for the Galaxy, Roll for the Galaxy, or New Frontiers your favorite of the bunch?
1: That is a good question. I think Roll might be my favorite because I kind of find it just to be the most fun Just Rolling the Dice is maybe more fun. I think this might be the best board game of them in terms of how it plays. If you don't like the randomness of the rolling, I think this one is the one to go for. But personally, I kind of like Rolling the Dice more, so that one I think is still my favorite.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think Roll for the Galaxy is my favorite of the three right now, but this is a... If you want a game that plays without a lot less of the... Randomness, then this is definitely the the version of uh, in the rate the whole race for the galaxy family that you should look for. Let's dive into our next game.
2: Well, speaking of rolling, we had recently played Takenu, Obelisk of the Sun, which is published by Board and Dice. Playtime's about one to two hours. It can seat one to four players, and most of us have played it. It's an interesting game. It has this wonderful board with a an actual obelisk in the middle, and this mechanic with dice drafting, the obelisk rotates to represent where the shadow of the obelisk falls. So obviously the front is sunny, the sides are in the shade, and the back is considered in the darkness, so to speak. So the drafting mechanic basically affects whether dice are considered blessed But basically, certain dice can be considered good, some are considered tainted, and others are considered forbidden. So this affects what dice you can draft at a given time, and dice recover over certain periods of time as well. And the whole game premise is really around the idea of building this temple. So you get the opportunity to make your people happy, or pull cards that will help you to develop technologies, build inside the temple, build obelisks or, or statues to the gods. And all of these things really play together into your overall scoring. But basically each round dice are drafted and your goal after basically every two times is to be sort of drafting both positive and negative dice to keep yourself balanced so to speak cuz the person who's the most balanced gets the opportunity to go first and i think from this game like a lot of mechanics where you the person goes first has some definite advantages so there's a lot of really interesting aspects of this game i felt like it really has a lot of different things built into it but really the idea like a lot of them is victory points equals win so what about you guys what did you guys think of this one
0: so this game, when I when it originally came out, I f- saw it and I saw the designer, and I knew I liked games from this designer from Tassini quite a bit. And but it looked like such a gimmick game. It didn't with the tower with the obelisk in the center and how it worked. It like it, it felt like it was uh, a bit of a showy gimmick to to be a game but then i finally got it i finally i think i must have waited almost a year before i bought it from when it came out and did i find a fabulous game in this and i wish i would have got to play when we got it out in december but you know just worked out with the player counts that i played on another fabulous game that night instead but this is a game that's fallen into my probably top 10 favorite board games and really one that I wish I got got to the table far more often than uh, it actually gets.
1: I know you have played the other. uh, Have you played all the other games in the so-called T series by these designers?
0: I've played everything but trace Magistus, and (laughs) which we almost played yesterday, except that (laughs) I just couldn't mentally comprehend another complex rule set that day. (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, but we own it. And then the Abs, the uh, Tebanusi, I think, is the the absolutely the newest one. one in the yeah. series that is only for pre order still here in the States. It's not available yet to purchase.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I've played this in, in Teotihuacan, Teotihuacan. Well, hopefully <laughs> I pronounced that correctly. Uh, and I like that game, but this, there's something special about this one. The dice drafting is handled really well. There are so many different kinds of actions you can take. I really enjoy this game. One of my favorites from these designers for sure.
0: This ranks right there with Zulkin in my mind as far oh, as yeah. the best yeah. of the series. Obviously, knocked it out of the park with Zulkin. Which, if you haven't had a chance to play that crazy gear game, <laughs> God, it's 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 a brilliant game. But uh, that I still don't do particularly well at. Teoticon is a great game, but I feel like it suffers a little bit from runaway leader syndrome. There's very little end game scoring points that come come up, so by the time you get into that second eclipse, it's a little obvious a lot of times when you're playing on who's going to win, and for me that takes away, you know, makes some of my actions a little less meaningful than sometimes at the end of the game because it's like, ah, oh, I'm just never going to catch them. Hmm. Tawanitsu, I haven't played enough to really form a good enough opinion on it, but it, I definitely didn't feel as strong. I really like the dice drafting. I mean, there's there's always an, an element of that tangibility of picking up dice and rolling them, and even though you're not rolling them to have an effect for yourself, you're rolling dice, and then those dice do things and you know you draft the dice so you take the it it becomes a very good your euro style mechanic to be able to draft and remove the the randomness from you but it makes a makes a great way to to make the game very unique and you know you have that tangibility of those components and the obelisk rotating it's actually as much as i thought it was a gimmick it's a really cool game
2: i thought it was nice because you didn't everybody was always able to do something like i've played some of the others like Zulkin. Well, I think it's probably a really good game. I haven't played it enough to really get a good opinion of it. And I felt like the people that really understood the rotation mechanics were at a huge advantage. And maybe it's because this was the first time this one hit the table. But even when I wasn't going first, which I felt like was a big advantage for the people that did, there was always something I could be doing. Because even if you could always be drafting dice to be doing something and prepping for... Something and building something or you know advancing your people because i we found you know if one person just focused in one area that that was great for a while, but what did you do the next round when those dice weren't available so it it was an interesting game. I thought it played really well, it was easy for people to pick up. I felt
0: yeah for a big crunchy for a big crunchy game that takes up a lot of table real estate uh it does seem like it actually. Once you get the hang of it, you pick it up really quickly, which, yeah, that's that's pretty awesome about it. All right, so I think we had one other game here we were going to bring up real quick. Uh, Justin, you want to tell us about it?
1: Yeah, I had one other small game that I just wanted to mention, uh, and this is Macro Micro Crime City. Uh, it's published by Pegasus Spiel, uh, and its playtime is 15 to 45 minutes per case uh, for one to four players. So this is a casual, fast Crime-solving game, where uh, the entire game is played with a humongous "Where's Waldo" map. So it's a black and white unfolding map that you lay out on the table, and it's probably, you know, three feet by four feet, and there are little black and white drawings of 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 this uh, entire city. Uh, with little people going around doing all these things like you'd expect in kind of a Where's Waldo well, book. And each, uh, there's, a, I think, 20 cases, maybe 15 cases in the game where you are presented with some type of crime, a murder, uh, a theft. And you have to find sort of where this happened on the map to kind of start the case and then trace the activities that happen to solve the crime, and it is a really unique and fun uh, a game. It is a very casual, quick playing. Uh, if you have slightly older kids, I think this is an awesome thing to play uh, with with a little bit older kids, since there's themes of you know murder and adultery and things like that a little bit. Nothing is explicit, but it you know involves a little bit of of those heavier themes. But it's all kind of in a cartoony style with these little animal people around the city. And you have to track down, like, all right, where did this, where did this criminal go after, after they stole the bike, you know? And then you have to kind of trace their activity through the city, figure out, like, where did they go and where did they hide the, the stuff they stole? And you have to kind of figure out based on, like, clues on the map and little, little hints that they drop you know, okay, oh, it looks like they went into this subway section. So which other subway can they connect to? A really unique and fun game that I would just recommend for, for anyone who's looking for like a quick, fun, casual kind of game. Pretty cool. Crime, micro Micro Crime City.
0: Thanks, Justin. And you can check out com for links to all of the games we just discussed. But now let's dive into our hobby corner and talk about what miniature hobby projects that we've been working on. And I'll go ahead and get started. I've been really excited that I received from Night Models my first part and actually by now I've actually gotten my second part all of my Black Friday orders and the Night Models just a note here and I'm not trying to dig on them or anything like that but they're they've historically been notorious for not shipping Black Friday orders until sometime well into January uh and sometimes february and part of that's the way they do their the way they do all of these there's there's almost always like a special new model or a black friday release model only that they don't do production on they actually don't do the production until they get all of the orders and then they roll the production on it and that's why there's these huge delays Um, So it's almost, it's almost as in but they don't really say it's a pre-order. They say, Hey, it's available for store shipping now, but it's actually a pre-order and it's a little confusing. And I think that causes, you know, some confusion amongst, amongst people. Well, I'm very happy to say that this year I got all of my product, all the ridiculous amount of models well before, you know, right, right at Christmas uh, or before. So That was exciting. In fact, I got the first shipment within days. Um, I I had two shipments of models, uh, two orders, um, within days of actually submitting my Black Friday orders, which was really awesome. Like, it was the Monday or Tuesday after after Thanksgiving, and I'd gotten a box from Night Models, which I had no idea was coming, which was awesome so in that i actually purchased uh, all of that story i actually purchased uh, a new crew for myself the penguin crew so i got the penguin bat box and a bunch of bikes and whatever and i was super excited one of the crews i started wanting to build for the game and one of my favorite villains in the batman universe is uh the penguin and i i really envisioned myself being a penguin player First and foremost, and here all these years later, I'm finally getting to put that crew on the table and build and paint it. So I got it. I got enough built and painted so that Brian and I could play a game, which is awesome. And even though the game didn't go well for Brian, it was great to be able to get my new penguin crew on the table and play <laughs> a game with it. And that's really what my hobby my hobby project is. So I got. I think it's the video game like Arkham City, or I don't think it's Arkham City, one of the Arkham games, like that version of the Penguin, and then some thugs, and then I, I, I think that was pretty much... But anyways, there'll be pictures up on the website for all of these models. It's super exciting to get a new crew. Of course, when my second order showed up, now I have bane crew models that i've been assembling or for soldiers of fortune and a bunch of other models that i've been building looks like this new bane unleashed model is just ridiculously awesome i'll have to take a picture of him now just to make sure he gets up on the blog um but yeah there's awesome that i've had so many so many new miniatures show up recently so i will say i'm probably single-handedly supporting night models at this point i own Two hundred and eighty total figures, um, Suzanne. You're supposed to cover your ears for this. Two hundred and forty-four of those are assembled, and one hundred and seventy-four <laughs> of those are are painted. Um, so, <laughs> the rest of you that play, what are you slacking about? You got to hurry up, get some more models.
4: <laughs> got to get uh, those wait. numbers up. Yeah,
0: yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm, yeah. This this latest order did knock me under ninety percent assembled, so I'm at eighty-seven percent assembled and just over 62 percent painted so yeah i gotta get that paintbrush going i've got models on the table right now for to get painted and get on the table and a, a more penguin crew models and then probably sometime in the next month or two i'll get some soldiers of fortune of course, all that said i don't think penguin's going with me to Adepticon, but we'll we'll see we'll see where, where things go all right and that's what i've been working
4: on in the hobby i guess i can talk next um kind of my ongoing projects that have been going on all year was my vc21 project which became zombies 21 and i guess at this point i'm pretty happy to say like it's mostly done as far as i'm concerned the 25 model block of zombies i finished painting all the models i do have to actually put like the flock on their base and then actually paint some kind of icon or something on their banner but i'm pretty happy with the progress on them, even though it took me like most of the year to get them done along with other stuff. It's cool to have another unit done for Warhammer and looking forward to getting onto the uh, rest of that army. I've kind of set up like the skeletons and grave guards should be quite a bit quicker. I imagine than the zombies were for me. Um, And then recently I painted up a bolt action vehicle. I think I mentioned it. I had it like primed up and I was kind of doing little bits on it here and here, m M3 half track for my U S and, there was some events I was looking at playing and where I was maybe going to use it, but I ended up not going to those, but it was still sitting on my table. And like, if you prime the vehicles in the green, like they paint up so quick, like it was really easy to knock that out. So that's my first half track for the U S so that's added to the ranks. Um, and then I was pretty happy to kind of set aside the zombies for a while. Uh, like Batman's really the main game we've been playing. Um, I've had the League done for a while, and I just haven't really added any models. Uh, in the last episode, I mentioned I put a lot of effort into getting some stuff based and Prime and everything to have it to work on over winter. So I was pretty excited to start some of that. And at this point, I think I'm like probably 90% done with the Deadshot model. Uh, this is the Deadshot that came in like the Back to Gotham box. So it's kind of my first of the new resin Minis, too, after all this time. I guess that didn't really have much effect on painting, but pretty fun to get back into that. And painting like a single model of BMG stuff is kind of rewarding since it goes pretty quick to, compared to painting a huge block of infantry. That can get kind of tedious, and it just seems like you're treading water forever. And so that's pretty satisfying. Um, looking forward to having it done and trying it out on the table soon to get some ranged action into my league army.
0: Hey, by the way, uh, have you been working on that special hobby project uh, for your league?
4: I don't know what you're talking about.
0: Come on, man. We know. We know that project has to happen.
4: <laughs> I guess if you keep hassling me, like that model is kind of sitting spare, the model that will not be named. So I should probably just do it up one of these days, so you can stop yeah. talking about it.
0: Yeah, it's got to. It's got to be done. I mean. I mean, I'll even buy you all the stuff just so you can do that model. I just think that needs to happen. <laughs> Your green stuff skills, that model, marvelous happiness. Anyways, <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to leave visions of what I'm talking about, dancing in everybody's heads and not get into too much specifics. Let's hear what Justin's been working on.
1: So I definitely have taken a big break uh over the holidays from painting, but I am starting my my rework now, finally, of my hunting horrors from Mansions of Madness second edition. I got new motivation to start this back up because I got a cool Christmas gift of a wooden figure painting handle, which has basically three wooden magnetic Bases so that you can sort of pop off a figure from the handle and swap in a new one. It's really nice. It's like a nice stained hardwood and uh, is a, a nice replacement for my current handle, which is a pill bottle that I slap some sticky stuff to the top of to hold my figures. And I have some uh, like a rubber band wrapped around it so it has a nice grip to it. So uh, it'll be a nice upgrade to, to work on some stuff for this next year.
3: So unlike the rest of you, we know I am not doing any painting with a paintbrush that has to have any detail to it, Uh, but several, several months ago, Ben purchased us a 3D printer that he has been using pretty much nonstop, which is great. He's made some cool things, but I really wanted to try and figure out how to use it myself. So, I was looking through Thingiverse to see what projects seemed to be very beginner friendly. And I came across some alien bases for the Nemesis game, which I think most of us on here have played it. And so you've got these aliens and as they take damage, you kind of are piling it on your tiny base or near them or trying to keep track of it somehow for me can get really frustrating and clutters up the board a lot. I like things very organized. So but I decided to print where these nice bases for the aliens to fit in and their cubes and most of their cubes to uh, be tracked in. So that is what I've been working on. I practice leveling the bed and, uh, we learned how to use a glass (laughs) plate on there, which was I think a fun learned experience for both Ben and I a little bit because before that we've been using a different uh, plate. Right now they're sitting in the garage a little tacky. It's not the optimal time to be using spray paint outside. I know that is my method of painting. So the next time we play Nemesis, should have some cool little faces to track the aliens on. So that project is very Sounds exciting. Sounds like a reason
4: to get the game out.
3: <laughs> exactly. We'll have to get the game out, and it's a little bit longer game, so we'll have to and accordingly. I mean, it's longer if you don't die in the second round, I guess. I was going to um, say
2: the way, we, <laughs> the way we play, you can play it at least twice in a night.
3: That is true. The games I've played have taken a little bit longer, so I would say we. plan a longer night but it would be a fun game to get out and play again and i'm very energized now to look for more components for gaming that i can create on the 3d printer and paint with spray paint so that is my goal is that they're all going to be spray painted one color i will make sure i post pictures of these great black bases on the blog
0: (laughs) put some nemesis some of the aliens in them just to help showcase what they're for but yeah that sounds yeah. great and yeah I, I have been a bit of a printer hog almost to the point that you were suggesting that we buy another <laughs> printer
3: yep pretty much <laughs>
0: So yeah
2: the, those of us in your D campaign do appreciate it though ben i'm just saying
0: yeah yeah That's i got true. i got some more work to, to do i i don't have nearly enough tiles like but it's it's great it's Saved me a load if I was gonna go buy Dwarven Forge instead, so I I can't say how much money that thing has saved me already. All right, with that, let's go ahead and make sure that if you have, there's gonna be all of these pictures of all of these cool hobby projects we've talked about them and highlighted them on our blog at wiscodice.com as part of this episode release. So if you're curious to see what what the hobby actually looks like that we've been working on, make sure you check it out on the blog. Now. Let's go ahead and take a break. And when we come back, we'll dive into our main topic, talking about 10, ten years of whisker Dice and what that's meant to all of us. Hey, folks, this is the Coenzy of the Most. I just wanted to take a moment to tell you about Misty Mountain Games here in Madison, Wisconsin, where you can find CCGs, RPGs, board games, minis, paint and hobby supplies for your all of your tabletop gaming experience and needs. If you can't find it online, give them a phone call or swing on by their brick-and-mortar store uh, here on the east side of Madison. Don't worry, that is mistymountaingames.com Check them out today. And we're back!
1: What was the spark that, that started this whole thing up?
0: So back in, I think it was October or November of 2011, Paul, who's no longer part of the show, and myself sat down and started seriously talking about wanting to start a Warhammer fantasy podcast and what we should call it and what the format was going to be and We really didn't have a lot of clue what we were doing at the time or or a really good plan. But we started the show, and I think a big driver for that is at the time, Madison here in Wisconsin was, I wouldn't say the hub necessarily for Warhammer Fantasy Battles from Games Workshop, but it was definitely one of the key areas where the Wisconsin Warhammer Fantasy Battles League was really established. I was the organizer of that league at the time, and we were, you know, we had our chapters in Milwaukee and Stevens Point and Lacrosse, but really Madison was kind of that anchor at that point for the league and everything that was Warhammer and what was going on. And we didn't have as things as things moved away from forum discussions and moved to podcasts and it seemed like everybody else all these other locations around the world were getting a podcast well darn it madison was going to have one too and so i think that was the biggest driver between behind why paul and i started the show and it wasn't long after we started that sh- uh, started the show that i think it was episode three or something like that of course some fan out there will probably correct me if i'm wrong but that uh, we had Brian actually join us as the, for, for the first time as a guest. And I'm sure, Brian, you, you you have all sorts of scenes. I remember back that first year recording with Paul, I think my, my biggest memory of that early days was, I think we were doing the new Dwarf Warhammer, the Dwarf Rules for the Warhammer Fantasy Battles Army came out. And... And I, I've always been a big dwarf player. It was my first army. It's one of the two I st- two armies I still have sitting on the shelf. And I'm sitting there talking with Paul about this army book, and we're doing a review of it. And I don't remember what he said or what he did, but I, I remember doing the edit on the show, <laughs> and I, I tossed the rule book, the the army book, up in the air in the middle of the interview frustrated all hack we had very differing viewpoints there's a reason why there's creative creative issues and whatnot that happened behind the scenes that that paul ultimately left the show and he's went on to greater things and all the power I, I wish nothing but the best for paul i think our passion we were both very passionate we described ourselves passionate uh warhammer players but it was definitely not a, a match made in perfect heaven uh and that was one of those memories from those early days that I remember but ultimately Paul left the show after the first year and uh Brian took over uh really did you, at that point you were making almost every episode we were recording like twice a month it was crazy
4: yeah I can't even remember doing that
0: yeah yeah I mean it's been forever right <laughs> but mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the one year I went to like 17 events around the country for Warhammer Fantasy to try to, you know, it's part of supporting the podcast and people wanting, you know, kind of wanting me to be at these events and whatnot. So it was it was crazy in those first few years while Warhammer Fantasy Battles was around and it was a big part of what we were doing. Like it was it was pretty awesome. And, And talking about Warhammer and being very focused on that was a big thing. but. I've never just been a Warhammer gamer, and uh, we started to look at other opportunities for wargaming. I think I was kind of the catalyst for a lot of that, wasn't I, Brian?
4: Yeah, for sure. Like, I know the early beginnings of Dice. like, if you've listened to any of our shows up until now, you probably know that I'm, like, probably very nostalgic for the heyday of like Warhammer around here and I feel like Wisco Dice kinda like, you know, branched out as part of that for me for sure and just kinda highlighted all those good memories and times I had and many of them were of like the really good times were like part of Wisco Dice and kinda chronicled there. Um I guess some of like my bigger memories that I wanted to mention, just like Warhammer specifically, like I know some of like the first shows like I recall doing Where he has some of those reviews, I know. I think it was my very first show, maybe where it was where I was learning to paint, basically. So it was really like a big catalyst for me actually painting figures after playing Warhammer for so many years. (laughs) So that was a highlight, and I remember multiple terrain days uh, that we covered and kind of ran as Wisco Dice events to get some terrain built for Mary Vanham back in the day. Um, one of the the legends lives on. (laughs) Yeah, so by the way, (laughs) do you ever finish that Dark Elf Tower? It still exists. Um, You have transferred ownership from your house to my house. Um, Someday I hope we'll have some kind of catalyst to finish that. Or, you know, we're playing some Warhammer here and there. Maybe I'll have to surprise you one day and have it finished up. I'll have to add like 50 more things to it, of course, but... (laughs) (laughs) that's one of the legends of the old show is the wisco dice or well the dark elf tower you know ben's gonna have like 3d printed
2: one and painted it before then right
0: i don't know that's a lot that that thing is huge like holy cow it would be (laughs) like i don't even want to know how many print jobs to make something equivalent to what brian was doing like we, I yeah, I, I, have, I I don't know who or where some European company had this. Like there was the old Warhammer, um, MMO game that came out and had like these really cool towers for all of the the factions that were in the game, and it was you know you would defend these towers and whatever. And this company had came out and made like resin versions basically of what the built towers were that in particularly the dark elf towers and I, they wanted some ridiculous arms and legs for this thing that stood like i don't know a mile <laughs> tall on the table compared to your miniatures and and whatnot and i was just like man this thing is so cool i want to pull the trigger and buy it and then brian kind of took that and turned it into a hobby project uh, he was like i'm going to build that for for this dark elf table you had and <laughs> just never, it never seemed to ever get finished. It was just year after year after year and kind of turned into this running joke. Okay. We're it's our, our annual Merry Mayhem terrain episode. And Brian, how's that dark elf
4: tower coming? <laughs> yeah, no, I just kept making it like, I didn't really have a set. Well, I had like, you know, some idea when I started it, but just I, like, I kept adding, I keep adding stuff to it. Like it just kept getting, like snowballing, <laughs> that was the most reason for never finishing it. But yeah, the next train day, maybe it'll happen. Um,
0: yeah. yeah, we'll be we'll be working on Batman terrain or something because we'll have some big Batman event, and you'll be working on that Dark Elf tower <laughs> instead. Uh, I can see it now. All right, so oh so yeah, that was those early days were really good, but then Warhammer transitioned into the end times uh and basically the Wonder- end of Wonder- warhammer Wonder- fantasy Wonder- yeah yeah it was sad uh, the end of warhammer fantasy came and we had a campaign and yeah, kind of that matched the end times that i don't yeah we did actually finish it um and for whatever reason i don't think i could make the big the the big mega battle that we had at the end of that but then age of singer sigmar came along and I, I think Brian, both of us really dove into Age of Sigmar and I think we saw this podcast going going to transition to an Age of Sigmar podcast at the time. But then you were pretty heavy in school at the time. I I know that. And you can maybe talk a little bit about about that that moment for you with Age of Sigmar and sure. the end times a little bit here and how and how in how mm-hmm. that applied to the podcast. But for me, that was also the same time that my divorce happened or that, you know, and that like, there was a good, like I just started getting an age of Sigmar. I was really excited for it. We were kind of figuring out how, how to, to make a game with no points and four rules quasi balanced. When we put our models on the table and it was boom. It was just this, this thing of, I stopped gaming, and I had said to the the people we were playing at at Pegasus at the times we were playing at Pegasus Games here in Madison, I said like I think this Warhammer group if I go away just dies, and so like I went away because that this big life thing happened, right? I'm I'm in the middle of a divorce, and I just I didn't game for almost six months. Like I didn't game at all, no board games, no miniature games. I couldn't paint. I just couldn't get my head like it was I kind of blamed it for my divorce you know when you when you travel to 17 events like I think the year before this happened like I'm like like for me I think I blamed a lot of Warhammer and gaming in general for for that part of my life and I just couldn't could not get inspiration to do the podcast or do miniatures and so like i think a lot of the warhammer podcast at the time i think people probably thought you know and they asked you know hey are you guys going to keep doing wisco dice and i was like i don't yeah i think the show is going to continue i don't think we're done and we never came out and announced ourselves as done around that time like so many warhammer fantasy shows did but at the same time, we weren't producing content. And to be honest, I wasn't gaming. And when I finally got to a point where I was like, okay, I'll come back to the game store and let's play some Age of Sigmar, nobody was at the store anymore. The, the, the whole The whole scene, it eroded and went away. Now, since then, it's come back. And the way I understand it, there are a ton of Age of Sigmar players. And I think the Mortal Realms podcast is doing very well from a podcast perspective. And... Those guys are having a ton of fun with Age of Sigmar but uh I discovered that the game just wasn't for me. It you know the price point for models and whatever and so um we've moved on and ta- uh, continued down those times. So Brian, you know when when we hit that point at the end times, what was that like you like for you and I mean what were you thinking about with the podcast
4: and what we were going to do with it? Yeah, uh I don't know, it was just a it was definitely a hundred time like I mean, we both played Warhammer for so long. Um, Like you said, we did sort of transition to Age of Signature a little bit. Like, I guess, as you kind of mentioned, like, it was pretty heavy in school. Like, the group, you know, kind of ebbed and flowed quite a bit. Like, it was huge when we were playing Warhammer. Like, I know you and I, we would play like, three game nights a week of Warhammer or something like that way back when. But kind of over time, you know, things change, the group changes, people come and go kind of thing and um yeah, it was just a maybe it was just a weird combination of everything. Um I guess I can say myself like some other people like I was really disappointed with like how it went, like this thing that was a big part of, you know, my hobby and game life for so long was just kind of killed off and then replaced with this other thing like I had a hard time accepting that at first, but, you know, people moved on. We were still playing it a little bit, like you said. Um, Obviously, like, you and I play each other, so, like, when you weren't playing much, that means I wasn't playing much quite a bit, and with school, I was really busy. Uh, There wasn't much going on with the group there for a little bit. We had a little Age of Sigmar group going, um, and I was into it at first, um, but in school, like, I would play so rarely Like, I really had a hard time where I would play something, I would come back after a little while, and, like, everything seemed to be changed all the time. Like, in the beginning, you know, they had to, like, refresh so many different armies and new armies and everything like that. And, like, even the game rules kind of got more complicated and the army composition, like, I was really attracted at first when they scaled it down quite a bit. And, you know, it seemed like it was going to be a smaller game. But then, I don't know, short time, longer you know, like, uh, Kenny's Fire Slayers or whatever. I don't know if there's, like, 200 models in that frickin' thing or whatever. Like, I don't know. The game was just weird. I felt like it didn't play very well that scale, and, like, part of the appeal was a smaller scale to me, and then when that didn't happen and, like, while you could still use your older models and stuff like that from Warhammer, like, they were really kind of fizzling out. Like, all the new stuff kind of played better and, like, it was just kind of a patching of the old stuff, so... It kind of just, I don't know, waned out of existence for me kind of thing. Like, it was too hard to keep up with. And you kind of mentioned earlier, like, you know, you were playing lots of other games and, like, you had introduced me to a lot of other things. Like, I was playing Bolt Action, I think, in that transition, like, Bolt Action was probably, like, more of my main game for a while. Like, that was the first thing I played at some of the tournaments. Like, well, the bigger cons and stuff I went to. Like, Adepticon, I went there to play Bolt Action and stuff like that, so... I guess as far as, like, the podcast was concerned, like, we were really focused on Warhammer in that whole beginning phase there. So when we came back to it, it's, you know, we had to figure out what we were going to do. And, like, I guess we just kind of, you know, covered what we were doing. Like, we had do some bolt action. We had do some board games. You had a few other, like, miniature games. Like, you got me into BMG, but I know you were playing, like, Dreadball for a little bit. Or whatever it's called. I don't remember if that's the right word. Um, but then there was like drop commander and stuff like that. A lot of other things here and there. Just a lot of different gaming going on, which was kind of cool. And I think kind of what spawned out of that was just like a broader depth of Wisco dice, essentially. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, I I think we struggled for a long time after we both decided to leave Warhammer behind us, that uh and, you know. It, it, when I say leave Warhammer, I mean not dive down the Age of Sigmar path and, and to hang on to our Warhammer Fantasy stuff. But I think you know that it took a while even to be able to be excited to put Warhammer Fantasy back on the table, right? And and so we were looking for well, what is that next game? We were you know we were still in this yeah. mindset of Whiskerdice mm-hmm. is going to be centered around a miniature game. And that's going to be our primary focus. And we're going to just do that deep dive. And we went back and forth, back and forth. And then in pandemic happens, the new age of Wisco Dice and the rebrand happens. We go from being a miniatures podcast that's very focused and trying to be focused around one game. And I know you and I had some emails back and forth. And this is where Suzanne and and I had some converse had a lot of conversations back and forth because we were sitting here and it's pandemic and we can't hang out with our friends and we're not gaming and we're getting a little bored and well if I'm bored and I need to, hey, I got this podcast we need to decide what to do with this podcast. And so I think it started with the, the this version of what we're doing for wisco dice started with let's get content up on the blog let's make some blog articles i've got time to write blog articles and i put out a lot of i wrote a lot of blog articles i didn't have a good feel of seo or marketing of content or good writing techniques or anything like that just let's get and i think i was putting out an article or something every week sometimes two a week and We had emails back and forth about what we're gonna do, and I think we got we were gonna do a Batman Miniatures podcast. We're both really into that. But then I was like, Well, what happens when that changes? What happens when we decide Mm -hmm. to do the next miniature game? Maybe Night Models goes belly up. What well what happens then? You know, what what happens to Dice? Do we have to go through this whole process again? Let's do tabletop gaming let's bring more of a heavy focus on board games let's talk about we can talk about the various miniatures games that we play we don't have to be so centralized on one given topic and we can bring in some more of our friends to be part of the show which is where justin starts to come into the picture because well, I knew Justin was a great graphics artist, and we needed a new logo. <laughs> we we needed something to represent <laughs> and, and really flash for us what what Wisco Dice was about. And boy, I think uh, that effort. We didn't tell Justin at the time. We both we had talked about this. You, uh, Brian, you and Suzanne and I had talked about this when we gave Justin this project about you know let's see how we work together with Justin let's see how this collaborative process goes and if it works out we'll offer him a job on the show <laughs> and he didn't know this whole time he's getting going through this basically job <laughs> interview process <laughs> to do to do to do this logo which maybe was a little underhanded of us i don't know but you you know it's i, I think it's worked out really well I don't know. If this is this is kind of where I go, okay, what do you think about that whole thing, Justin? How do how, how do you feel that went down? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, uh, yeah. I don't <laughs> think it was <laughs> I don't think it was underhanded. That's that's too way too harsh. I mean, I think, you know, what I remember is we you, you were like, "Hey, let's just get together and play some games online, you know, let me talk to you about this logo thing." And so there's just a couple times where we me, you, Brian, uh, maybe Suzanne, too, we just yep. you know we played something on board game arena, you know 'cause of the pandemic, and uh you know just let's let's play some games and hang out and get uh, and stuff, and my understanding is you're just sort of looking for hey how do how do our personalities kind of jive, and you know are we gonna be able to work together a little bit, you know, and like honestly, playing a game together isn't a bad way to to test that out, so. <laughs> i wouldn't say underhanded i think you ben and i had been playing games together for quite a while prior to this we had met through a mutual friend and played all kinds of board games together so we know that we kind of you know our personalities more or less did you know we got along with each other when i had played a little bit with brian um not a ton uh but some and mm-hmm. you know just to make sure that it, you know at least we aren't going to like clash all the time and <laughs> uh, it was a good a good way to go about things. I really did enjoy collaborating on the on the logo design. Graphics is something I really enjoy doing and especially when it's like for friends you have a really clear idea of of what you want. You guys all kind of came at me with like all right, I want a little bit of this, I want each of these kind of things to be represented, board games and hobby and you know, I want the wisco dice to really pop and you know, we went through a couple iterations before we before we got to that that final logo. Um and that was that was super fun. I I'm definitely looking forward to doing more cool logo design stuff or just I not logo but just any kind of design work. Making wisco dice more of a presence with that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, that was a that was a big thing for us. Cause I think that our old logo was some, So I don't even know how Paul threw that together, but why we <laughs> hung on to that for almost 10 years is be- <laughs> besides me. But uh, I think it was more, I was just too lazy and didn't really have a relationship <laughs> with a good graphics artist to be able to do it. And I'm just, I, like, graphics arts, like, as artistic as I am with the miniatures and painting, like, I'm a very paint between the lines kind of guy i i I need that the way miniature painting i need, I like the art piece of it, but i I'm very not creative when it comes to like art color schemes or whatnot. I'm very like okay, and I like Batman's great for me because I just paint it what the picture of the comic book looks like. Boom, done. I don't have to you know i yeah i can I can work on individual <laughs> skills and talents with a paintbrush, but I don't have to get wildly creative and try to. Paint a landscape, or uh, you know, that's that's fictitious in my head, or paint, you know, draw a character face or something like that. I don't have to do any of that, and so that that skill was great to bringing into the show. And yeah, we have that's I think gonna feed into our future, uh, hopefully, uh, as far as where where we're going and some of the things we want to do. Uh, we'll need great uh, we'll need great graphics support. So it was definitely something when we were looking to expand the team that was like. Mission one was let's get somebody that's that we know we can work with and and I highlight talked about Paul at the beginning and that creative difference problem that we both had that led to the parting of ways and I didn't want that kind of thing to ever happen to whisker dice again, so that interview process that wasn't really an interview process to be a host for the show with Justin was largely to make sure that we protected the friendship that I think we've built over the time playing board games together. You know, I didn't want, I didn't want this to become like, okay, this is us fighting over a creative thing that the podcast is. (laughs) Then we went a couple of months and yeah. we knew when we recruited Justin that we were going to expand the team further. And we're probably gonna to continue to expand the Wisco Dice team family uh even further through 2022. I I think I need to do some following up on potential new candidate or candidates. Uh we'll leave you wondering. And uh see where that's going. But we we uh we knew at the time we were gonna expand, and we knew that uh it was down to a couple of individuals but it was pretty obvious to me who the next player that was going to get brought on and and that largely had to do with uh this person having moved back to wisconsin relatively recently um in you know pandemic you know pre-pandemic and uh it was all was that every time I did anything? Board game nights, he's always there. He's always there for you know for pickup games. We do doing our pickup games at Batman. He's all. He's just always there. And I, like, how do you not have somebody that's like that on your podcast with you? And so we brought Matt on. We asked him, and he he was happy to join us. And I'm really glad he did because I, um, some people have a voice for radio, and I think Matt is very much that kind of person and brings such a, a unique piece to the podcast with the family games and the uh, other games that he's playing with us now. And it's just awesome to have him on board and it's launched a lot of things for you. So Matt, what what do you think uh, about your coming onto the show and being part of this whole thing? And, and what was that experience like?
2: I think it's been great. It's, it's one of those things where, um, I have a lot of background doing a lot of different things. I to one thing Ben mentioned earlier. Prior to Ben, I I I ran the Wisconsin Warhammer Fantasy Battle Leagues for a while. Uh, Ben and I kind of passed it back and forth a little bit when we had different times, and you know I had a lot of young kids back in the day, and uh, it, it was a lot of fun back then. But I moved out of town in 2012 for a new job. So, I was out of I was out of pocket. I uh, it was interesting cuz I kind of missed the whole Age of Sim- Sigmar thing that you guys talked about because there were like no Warhammer players in my area. So, I kind of went on a <laughs> five-year drought and it was just so awesome cuz I came back into the area in uh, 2017. I moved back to Madison. I I think I'd had enough of flatlands of central Illinois. I just moved from state capital to state capital. And I was so excited Ben was hosting you know board game days and i i found out warhammer was dead and you guys kind of brought me into the you know we started playing batman miniatures and and didn't take him long to convince me to do that and i think from my perspective i've always been such a i have so many different interests i have so many fun things i like to do this is just a great way for me to kind of live all of them because i like to play board games, i like to do miniatures games, i like to be creative in other ways. This is just another outlet. Many many years ago i used to run a blog for World of Warcraft. So it just kind of it, it's a great way for me to get into that same kind of thing where i get to participate, do provide content and insight and get to do fun things with people i enjoy spending time with too which is just the great side of that from my perspective because i've gotten to know justin more i i knew brian a little bit from back in the day of warhammer and ben i've known for
0: yeah yeah pretty close it's got to be
2: almost two decades now i was crazy (laughs) when i was thinking
0: back i'm like (laughs) i mean i was started (laughs) warhammer you know i used to be oh i've been playing warhammer for 10 years then it got to be i've been playing warhammer for 20 years and now it's if Warhammer was still a thing, I'd be like, okay, I'm probably closing in. I'm playing Warhammer for 30 years now, so yeah, it's been insane since we, since the two of us met back at Pegasus Games. <laughs> God, I remember that? What's what was that kid's name? He started That's the whole thing. Pretty. Heck, I think he owns it. Dennis, I think he's probably one of the owners. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong there. He would sit. Yeah. He must have sat in that back room on Wednesday nights when Pegasus made. Wednesday nights, Warhammer night, and he would show up every week, and nobody else was there. Nobody's in him. He'd just sit there and paint models. And eventually, I don't know, was it you? I think you maybe? Was it you or me? I can't remember. Somebody, one of us, ran, just decided to show up on Wednesdays because they said it was Warhammer night. And then all of a sudden, there was Warhammer night and it was people were showing up and playing and it all was because this kid showed up at pegasus games for like six months straight by himself and would just turn paint and because there was somebody there it eventually other people showed up and became part of this group and then yeah whiskered ice formed all because of that it's crazy
2: yeah it's kind of crazy to think back but yeah, I've, I mean, it's it's a great opportunity for me. And I, I love sharing kind of a different perspective because I have three kids and my kids are getting older. They're actually in their college days. I have two in college and one in high school. And they all like different t- aspects of gaming. My son prefers way crunchier games. You know, my other daughter prefers, I'd say, lighter fun games that are just, you know, things that you can play with your friends and have a good time and... My youngest just loves to beat the tar out of you if she can. She just wants to win at all costs. So it, it's just kind of fun to be able to bring that on top of my hobby aspects to this team and, you know, kind of try to expand. Yeah. And I mean, see and it's expanded. We like
0: we didn't have any regular content pretty much just over a year ago. Uh, we didn't have. Uh, regular episodes and now we've everything's come back we've got kickstart monday we've got board game brunch we've got uh tales of the cold north our our secondary podcast that we've now launched we we've had interviews with board game developers which when we started Brian i mean when we were talking in yep. 2020 you know november december i mean did you think we would be interviewing board game developers I mean I didn't think that was something that would happen that quickly you know we never did an interview barely at all no. I think I think the the you have to go back to like maybe when we interviewed Terrain Wench I think that might have been or or the wives cast back then I think those were the only times we had any actual interviews we never did these kind of things So it was cool like creatively to to do these and to go down these paths of changes and all these things that have happened because you guys are all part of the show now we've had this giant creative bubble going around what what can we do what what's next you know and some of it's like work you know doing doing blog articles I don't I don't know about the rest of you guys but writing blog articles is like work sometimes it's it's hard
2: it's 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 the thing I always tell people is it's it's harder just to get out of your own way and just put something on paper. Okay. You have a lot of great ideas, but sometimes you just have to get out of your own way, sit down, force yourself to just write. Don't care what comes on the page, but you know, you just kinda have to start sometimes. And I and I spent a good bit, I'd say, in the first part of the year figuring out what I wanted to do. But we're gonna see some of that new come to fruition starting in the new year. So, you know, you might you might see the first bit by the time we we released this podcast, but you're going to see some new content coming out of us in the very near future too.
0: Yep. And uh, we're going to see new content. We're going to see hopefully a growth and, and more participation on the blog. And we're going to see, I think in 22 we're going to see some some new changes. I think there will be some new faces maybe added to the team. Uh, we're going to keep releasing this podcast on a monthly basis. That's not going to change. Tales of the Cold North is going to continue. That's not going to change. But we're lo- always looking at, and one of the things that always comes up, and it always comes up, whenever I'm talking to anybody or I'm introducing myself at any of these trade shows or conventions that we go to, you know, I'm introducing myself and introducing the podcast to new people are like, "Well, do you guys have a YouTube channel or do you guys do video or do you guys do this or do you guys do that?" We're not I'm not going to make anything official and I don't want to say that we're going to do these things because, you know, lord knows, who knows what's going to happen. We're not 100% sure, but we take all of that feedback extremely seriously. And I think we've got some great uh, great creative minds and eyes on seeing where the future of Whisker Ice will go. And I, for one, am super excited about it. And I think the rest of us are too. And it's just got too many, so many possibilities that it's going to be a great, great 22 and and even beyond then.
2: Yeah, definitely some stuff to look forward to. And, you know, you, we do it for you guys. So always send us your feedback, give us ideas. You know, we obviously can't do everything, but... You know, the more ideas we have, the more things, you know, we're going to find out that people want the types of contents, the things that are going to add value to your gaming table so that we can keep adding value to you.
0: And for all of our contact information, you can find it at wiscodice.com. That's right. It's wiscodice.com. And with that, we've talked a lot about the history of Wiscodice. had a big, i am kind of teary-eyed this whole time we're talking about this show this long. Uh, and how long we've been doing it like some of the things we did i got i got all soppy-eyed a little bit it's kind of crazy uh but we talked about our hobby and our hobby projects and we've talked about the games we've been playing some just great board games we've been playing lately and i'm looking forward i'm really excited to to be able to play some even more amazing board games uh coming here in uh 22 and Of course, I'm starting the board game Purge, but we'll talk about that, I'm sure, in a future episode, and all of these things we've been doing. It's just awesome. So I, I for one, am so thankful and so great that we've had this team and we got this team together, and for you, the listeners, until next time. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you leave a review of this show wherever your favorite place is to find podcasts. Oh, and by the way, give us a like on our Facebook page. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Pinterest while you're at it. If you haven't looked recently, make sure you catch up on the blog at Whiskodice.com.
1: Hey, Brian, what's that site? Ah oh darn it. I forget. Uh, Justin, what's our website again? Whiskodice.com. That's right. It's
4: whiskodice.com. And until next time, everyone, peace out.